Welcome to Intentional Balk. I'm Lou Landers. Find me on Twitter at Landers Talks and all my baseball content at drrodo.com. Joined here by my co-host, Mark Mancini. Mark, let everyone know where they can find all your work, all the great stuff you're doing. Well, this is the show that's sweeping the country. I'm so blessed. You're a mentor, a brother, and a friend doing this one each and every Monday. But if I'm not here, I'm on Sirius 203, XM 217. Uh, you know, uh, you can flip that if you want to. WWDB AM 860 out of Philadelphia doing the Pirate Podcast in some other cities, Miami, Detroit, uh, New York. So Vegas, I'm, I'm blessed, man. That's all I can say. Yes, yes, you are. And you were at the MLB All-Star festivities last week, so I want to hear about that in a moment. But we also have some teams poised for second-half runs. We got a lot of news around Juan Soto of the Nationals. Astros, the team to beat in the American League. And, of course, we'll talk about what contenders need to do at the trade deadline. But start us off with what it was like to be at the All-Star game, seeing all those fantastic MLB players with their personalized swag and um, it was really cool. I mean, I want to talk about my experience watching it on television, but a lot of people got to see that. Not everyone got to actually be there and witness it. Well, I'll tell you, there was three things I needed in baseball off the bucket list. I was blessed enough uh, in my life to uh, see a perfect game, a no-hitter, almost a second no-hitter, a guy jacking one out of a stadium, triple plays, all this other stuff. But the three things that eluded me for years – was the All-Star World Series and catch a foul ball. And the World Series, I thought I was going to hit it in 96, covering the Dodgers and Padres. That year, they both got beat by the Braves and Cardinals. The All-Star game, I was going to hit it in San Diego a few years ago, and my buddy said, well, the ticket prices will come down. They went down to about $115, and then the next day, they shot really way up there. So that has been a, a thorn in my butt to try to get going. And I contacted a good friend of mine, Bill North, that played for the Oakland A's. I said, hey, I don't like to ask for anything, but you know what? I'm trying to get this off my bucket list. He said, I'll see what I can do. He went through Dusty Baker and all those guys, the Oakland A's front office, and scored me a $1,300 ticket, sitting between the plate and uh, first base, about 20 rows up from the American League dugout, got a ball thrown up. Man, what an experience. And, you know, when when I saw the perfect game, that was unbelievable. Seeing an all-star game is unbelievable, too. Uh, it's like a Mardi Gras sit in, Lou. I mean, everybody comes out with their own garb and stuff. See people walking around with angel stuff, boom, boom, boom. And being in Dodger Stadium, I said to myself, I don't want to piss off some of these people walking around with a Stargill jersey. So I borrowed my wife's uh, Dodger hat and showed up with that. <laughs> yeah, that's funny for someone who um, makes their feelings on the Dodgers very well known. Yeah, uh, you're not a big Dodger guy. <laughs> you do not like no. the Dodgers, so uh, that's funny. It's like a version of tr- trolling almost. Right, but you gotta you gotta blend in so you have no problems, and your 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 Stargell shirt doesn't get saturated with full beer. So I learned my lesson doing uh, ring announcing in the wrestling in the day. I don't like to come home uh, smelling like a tavern. Yeah, I'm with you. So obviously my experience different um, watching it on the television broadcast, but I got to say I loved the different players that got mic'd up, and uh, I think it's a really good way to grow the sport. We've talked about this in the past, and it's a pretty big topic amongst uh, just 
all podcasters and people on you know MLB Network, uh, Sirius, whatever it might be, is growing the sport for the younger generation. I think get kind of letting these guys be loose and just kind of you know chat it up with the broadcasters kind of allows people into kind of the mind of the player day to day and kind of showcasing different personalities of young players. I think it's a really good way to grow the sport. Well, you're absolutely right. You know, that's the way I used to do interviews and still do them. You try to find the positives, let the negatives play out. You know, you always try to be fair and accurate, um, but you always put yourself in their position, you know, and, and that's the thing, you know, Tim Kirchin sized it up best by saying, you know what? I could sell papers, but why piss off a lot of people if I don't need to, to go that route? And that's, I think that's where it's going now. People, the, the, the TV networks realize that in order to get a good story, you got to basically, you know, treat these guys like family. And we saw that in the All-Star game with guys like Manoa, Hendricks, etc. Yeah. Absolutely. So let's move into some teams who could make second half runs. And three of these teams are already positioned to do so. Um, one of the teams currently on the outside looking in, but very talented. And I think they could make a second half run. And that team is the Chicago White Sox. You look at this White Sox team, they sit four games out of the division right now behind the Twins. They're one game behind Cleveland, who is three games back of the Twins. I think this is a White Sox team that is more than talented enough to win this division. Coming into the year, I thought they were going to be clear favorites. Lots of time left, games against these two teams. A trade deadline coming up where they can make moves and, and additions. Uh, this is a team I expect to make a second-half charge. Well, I'll tell you one team in that division that you got to keep your eyes on, you might want to adjust your mirrors, is Cleveland. I think the, 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 the linchpin in that uh, division... LaRusse is a great manager. I loved him in Oakland and St. Louis. He's trying to find himself this year in Chicago with a with an array of problems and not being able to jumpstart this team. You're right, four games behind. Uh, but I like Terry Francona over uh, LaRusse. Uh, and uh, oh well, me too. I don't think LaRusse is a good manager anymore. I'm just talking in terms of talent. Cleveland's a good team, but they're not a great team in in my mind. Whereas the White Sox have that potential to be a great team. Well, Cleveland has the pitch in, and if they can pull a deal off, you saw, you know, they came out to Los Angeles and took the Dodgers two out of three. So, you know, this, this, you know, this team is, is, is poised and pitching's the name of the game. I think I like Cleveland's pitching a little bit better than I do Chicago's because Chicago has been inconsistent of late. Yeah. No and Cleveland's certainly a team that could also make a, uh, make a second-half push to them and the White Sox. Uh, Cleveland and the White Sox are actually closer to one of those wild-card spots than they are to the Twins. There are two games and three games back, respectively, in that last wild-card spot, uh, and three and four games back in the division. So they have multiple ways of getting in, though, and that's kind of why, yeah, they both do make a lot of sense. Yeah, the team that I, I think it, it is, and nobody's really saying anything about, and they just went into Boston and just hammered them, putting up 28 yep. runs. They're, they're the, the next team. Games. They're the next team to look at here. They're already in a playoff spot, and they're unlikely to catch the Yankees just because it's such a large gap right now. I think they have a better second half than the Yankees do, but to make up 13 games, not sure they'll be able to do that. But yeah, Toronto is definitely a team to watch in the second half. I could see them being 
one of, if not, you know, a top two or three team in terms of um, record-wise down the stretch. And really ever since they got rid of Montoyo, which I thought was a great move because they just were underperforming under him. They've really been playing good baseball. You know the lineup is excellent. I mean, forget about the 28 runs, whatever it was. They're a good lineup regardless of that game. Uh, Bullpen is a bit shaky here and there and they need better consistent starting pitching from their three through five guys but this is definitely a team in Toronto to watch and a team that will be active as the deadline approaches as well well yeah if I'm Toronto I'm looking at it like you know uh concede the division of the Yankees these last seven weeks just line up your whole artillery pick up some moves maybe during the trading deadline and go after the Yankees in October. That's the way I'm looking at it. I'm yeah, not to... set, set yourself up to win in the playoffs. Right. Make know, sure you, you get there. Shoot, yeah, you don't want to shoot all your bullets in the in the chamber and, and, and get yourself worn out chasing the Yankees and trying to make up a 13-game deficit. Stay pat, get in the playoffs, and then roll the dice because the Yankees aren't bringing that 13-game division lead in the playoffs it's not anybody. nothing nothing that happens in the season really matters come playoff time exactly yep. so there's two nl teams that are of interest to me here both of them are in the wild card spots right now don't think padres can win that division just because the Dodgers are playing so well but they can certainly give themselves a really nice huge lead in the wild card standings and then you have the cardinals who are just two and a half back of the Brewers. so that division's wide open but then you have a team that is also uh, in a wild card spot, but two teams in the Phillies and Giants kind of right behind them. Get to the Phillies and Giants when we get to some trade deadline talk. But I think both the Cardinals and the Padres are teams who are poised to have big second half, so whether it be moves at the trade deadline, uh, Padres will and should get Tatis Jr. back eventually too. Both of these teams are teams I think are going to have very strong second halves. Padres had a terrible second half last year. Cardinals one of the best in the second half last year. I think this year they both do it. Well, let me tell you about the Padres here. And you know where I've been standing with the Padres and the Blue Jays to meet in the World Series last year and this year. In a short series, I don't care how far the Dodgers are up, and you know my disdain for the Dodgers, you better circle the wagons on the San Diego Padres in a short series with Clevenger, Snell, Darvish, Musgrove, Manea, that bullpen, if they go out, they're going to get, you know, uh, Tati's junior back, Cronenworth, Machado's been there. They're rumored to get Soto in there. Let me tell you, if they get Soto in here before this whole uh, second and a half really gets going, I don't care where the Dodgers, I don't care where all these other teams are, the Yankees. Oh, come playoff not- time. Come playoff time with that rotation the Padres have, I'm with you. If they bring in some offense plus get Tati's junior back, they can beat anybody. Yeah, if, 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 they, if they pull the trigger on Soto, because they still got a great minor league system, if they pull the trade on Soto, they'll have Soto for three pro seasons. I don't care if the Dodgers win 10 out of 11 division titles or whatever you want to call it. San Diego will, will, will put fear in everybody in the National League going forward in the last seven weeks. Yeah, you're absolutely right. Even without Soto, if they make some other moves... Um, and get Tatis Jr. back, it'll only help because that pitching is very, very strong in San Diego. So Houston Astros, I, <laughs> I mean, this is a team that has to be the favorite in the American League. They're likely going to catch the Yankees for that top record in the American League. They have 
the Yankees number this season, that's for sure. They've been able to beat up on them like no one else has. But you also have to look at the schedules down the stretch. And based on the strength of both these teams' divisions, you got to say the Astros have the much, much, much better schedule. I mean, the Yankees are still going to have to deal with a pretty solid Baltimore team, a good Boston, good Tampa, good Toronto team. And Houston, I mean, the closest team to them is Seattle, and they just swept Seattle. Um, you know, so they're they're going to be able to beat up on this AL West division down the stretch, and they will finish with the best record in the American League. And they've proven time and time again how good they are come postseason, too. The offense hasn't been as strong as you would have expected, but that pitching is just so good. They run very deep in that rotation, and um, they're one of the best run prevention teams there is. This has to be the team to beat in the American League and maybe all of Major League Baseball. Well, they're like, they're built like the New England Patriots of in the NFL. I mean, you lose guys left and right, and you still it's it's a system that's in place there. You know, Granky's out of there, Cole's out of there. They they keep losing guys. Springer's out of there, Correa's out of there. They they don't even flinch. And let me tell you, they they've hammered uh, the Yankees in New York. They've hammered the Mets in New York. They've hammered the Yankees at home in that doubleheader. All we heard about is the Seattle Mariners have won 14 in a row. The Astros didn't flinch, went up there in their backyard and swept three on them. So this is a team led by Verlander, who's probably a Cy Young Award candidate. Manager of the year is going to be Dusty Baker. I mean, look at this team, man. I mean, Valdez. I mean, Tucker. Houston is, you know, this is, you know, Houston's kind of like Atlanta on the other side of this fence, too. But, um, it's going to get interesting down the stretch. And, you know, I, I, I love Aaron Boone, and you're a Yankee guy. But Aaron Boone is crazy when he says these games don't mean nothing in the regular season. We'll see these guys in October. Hey, Aaron, they beat you in your backyard, and they beat you and swept you in yeah, their backyard. Yeah, he's, he's trying to save face there. Firstly, I don't like Aaron Boone that much. I think he's a good clubhouse guy. I think he's good with the media. I don't think he's a good on-field manager. But he's absolutely wrong if he's saying that. Um, what the Yankees needed to do was be able to win some of these games against Houston so that they actually have the confidence that they can beat them. Because right now, if I'm the Yankees, I think I can beat anyone except for Houston. It's almost like a psychological thing at this point. They just can't hit the Astros pitching. And they give up right. these timely hits. The Astros come up with these timely hits, with runners in scoring position, two outs, whether it's the top of the order, the guys that you expect to contribute, or the bottom of the order. They have the Yankees' number, and all the Yankees can hope for is that someone beats Houston in the division series so that they don't have to play him in the championship series should the Yankees get there. Because if they have to play Houston as it is right now, they're not going to win. Well, and then, you, then you've got the pretenders, Lou, and you've been around baseball a long time with your expertise and knowledge. What's going on with the Giants, the Brewers, the Phillies just got swept by the Cubs? I mean, these these teams are pretenders. They are, but some of them are going to get into the postseason anyways. Uh, you know, <laughs> that, that that's just the way it is. The National League is not as strong. It's not as, as deep as the American League. There's really only, um, what, there's one, two, three, five, six, seven, eight, nine. There's 11 teams in the American League who ha- are within three and a half games of a playoff spot. In the National League, that's just, it's not even close to that. I think there's maybe eight teams within well, two the games. Sox, and then... Right. The problem with the Red Sox is they can't beat anybody in their division. Yeah, because they're not that good. <laughs> they're a mirage. They have a good offense, but they have a weak bullpen. They have bad starting pitching. They have been dealing with injuries. I'll give them that, but so is everybody. 
Um, so Boston, Boston is in trouble in terms of having to be able, if they can't start to win series against Tampa, Toronto, New York, and Baltimore, then they're not going to be able to make the postseason because Seattle, Cleveland, Chicago, Minnesota, those teams have it easier. Right. And, and with the, with the way the, the, the games are set up in the, in the playoffs, the two top teams will get buys. Yeah. So then you're going to see probably a Seattle, Toronto type of thing. Who knows if Baltimore gets there on the other side of the coin, uh, you know, Gabe Kapler, he's a walking dead manager. I mean, to go into Chavez Ravine and, and lose four straight to the Dodgers, I mean, you, this team, the, the Giants aren't that good. But they're only, they're not that good, but they're only two games out of a playoff spot. Yeah, but when, but when you look at their team, I mean, you know, a- a- Alex Wood, Logan Webb, uh, Rondon, I mean, you, you know, their bullpen shaky. I mean, you know, you've got some bats. I'll give you Crawford and Belt and some of these other guys, but they they definitely miss Posey there and his leadership. They do, and so, they, they don't have that much star power necessarily either. They're certainly not a they're certainly not a team that you look at as a team that can make the playoffs. But that's where this trade deadline stuff kind of comes in because even with the struggles of the Phillies lately and the Giants, Phillies one game back, Giants two games back, they're playing to win it. Maybe they're pretenders right now, but after the deadline, if they make the right moves, they might not be. So let's talk some of some trade deadline stuff and briefly just go through all the teams who are either in a playoff spot or within, you know, three, three and a half games of a playoff spot. We'll start with the Yankees. Definitely need some bullpen help because they've yep. lost King, they've lost Green, Chapman is being ineffective. Probably another starting pitcher considering Severino is banged up. Tyon's had injury issues. Nestor Cortez going to surpass, uh, fly by his career high in innings. So a rotation piece and an outfield piece. Um, and all these things are quite attainable for the Yankees. I think they do these types of things and they could be the difference for them um, in October potentially. Because is it still good enough to beat the Astros? Maybe not. But these are things that they absolutely have to address. Well, you know, talking a little of Clay Holmes, at the all-star game. I definitely miss him in Pittsburgh, but the real problem there is in New York and, and, and they got to get him right is Chapman. Chapman is, has not been the same and maybe he's, you know, coming in the sixth, seventh inning is, is not his cup of tea, but to get him right, you're right. They need, they can use another uh, starter in there to, uh, to, to keep up with Houston. But I think that the guys that, you know, they're available here, uh, and one of the guys I like is is a scrap iron type of player, and that's a guy from Cincinnati, Drury. He would fit some of these teams uh, big. So uh, I he definitely would not not with the Yankees, but certainly a lot of these teams. Uh, probably yeah. not the Blue Jays either. The Blue Jays, to me, don't really need to do anything offensively. Um, if they're healthy, their lineup is great, but they need another starting pitcher. I think even if Barrios does come around, they need another starting pitcher come playoff yeah, time. And they definitely Luis need. Castillo. Yes, well, everyone was going to be after Luis Castillo for sure. Um, I, I think that's a given. I'm not even saying they need a Luis Castillo type, but I mean, that would be a huge get for them. I think the biggest thing for the Blue Jays, though, was bullpen health because they have the lineup that should be able to keep them in games, even against good pitching. Gosman and Manoa, I really like for them. It's if they have a lead after five, six innings, they need to be able to get the ball with a lead to Romano at the back end. I think that's the biggest thing for the Blue Jays. Well, a starter, you know, Pittsburgh could unload Quintana there, 
He's on the one-year deal. He's He's been pitching great of late. Had a good uh, performance against Miami on Saturday. So there's some guys that, that are available here if you need some pitching. But, you know, the Phillies are definitely going to need some bullpen help. Phillies need rotation help, they need bullpen help, and they might need outfield help even because they have kind of a dead spot in center field. When Harper does come back, he won't be able to play in the outfield. They need a center fielder really badly as well as the pitching. Phillies have a lot of work to do. And the Brewers, their strength was the bullpen. Uh, They've been hitting Hader hard. He's looking like Chapman. That's why they brought Overuse. Overuse of, of Hader. That's the difference. Chapman's ineffectiveness haters just overuse yeah that's that's a good way but the brewers see the brewers kind of remind me that they could fall by the wayside there's going to be some teams falling by the wayside in the national league and i got the brewers and giants to fall by the wayside yeah, but they're still going to be one of those teams that has a chance to get in regardless of whether they fall or not that's just it. There's going to likely be a team that gets into the playoffs in the National well, League is probably not Miami all that deserving. Miami could slide into this. They got pitching to overtake one of these teams. Yeah, but they won't you know? take on salary in terms of hitters. If they went out there and made a move for some, some offense, they could. They could make a move. Five games is not a little, but it's not too much. Right. So and they're, very they're interesting. Bank, they're banking Alcantara to take them to the the playoffs, and they might need another Alcantara. You know, just a thought in a, a, a place here. You, you, we saw the late Fernandez in Miami. We see Alcantara. Who who would you take? Because they they were both good and, and both had some upside, but. Man, Alcantara is looking like amazing with his strikeout ratio. Yeah, I, I I'm not sure who I would take. Um, I don't even think we got to see the prime Jose Fernandez. Remember, he was still yeah. so young, so incredible. Um, based on the, how he was trending, I'd still probably go with Fernandez. But that's not taking anything away from Sandy Alcantara. NL Cy Young Award favorite, in my opinion, deserves it. Um, kind of has that old school, goes deep into games. Gives you that length that you just don't see anymore. The strikeout's obviously amazing, but just great stuff, great presence, great everything, and definitely a building block in that rotation for the Miami Marlins. Keeping things in that division, though, Braves and Mets, I mean, they're going to be battling it out, it looks like. Um, The Braves aren't going anywhere, that's for sure. The Mets probably will get DeGrom back if he's healthy. That's going to give them a boost, and they're going to be very active at this deadline as well. Expect them to be battling it out rest of the way um not just for the division but also possibly for the second seed and a bye so it's really big time for those two teams because they're looking like the one of them will be the second best team in the national league so not only is it division but it's also a bye so it's massive um braves probably could use another bullpen arm maybe a back end rotation piece i'm not sure the braves need all that much though whereas the mets uh they have a lot of options in the outfield but i think they could use a big upgrade in the outfield i also think that they could use um some more bullpen help as well if they get to grom back i'm not sure they need rotation help yeah you know the big key there is scherzer and Degrom, because if they only have one of those guys atlanta's got too much starting pitching to overtake the mets and offense too uh, exactly if the mets yeah, have to grom well, and scherzer duvall duvall i think is lost uh, so they'll have to make up for that loss. Yeah, but he's not even necessarily a regular. He's more of a platoon bat right. for them at this point. Certainly a nice presence and a guy that can get hot at times, but uh, they're not going to be missing 
Duvall. For the Mets, you're right. It comes down to Scherzer and DeGrom. Because if they're both healthy, whether they finish as the sixth seed in the National League or the second seed in the National League, they're a tough out in the playoffs if you have to go up against DeGrom and Scherzer. Yeah, and, and I think the only team that can challenge uh, the Dodgers and Padres would be Atlanta on that side of the coin. Uh, I mean, the Mets are built like the Padres in some ways, like to play that small ball. Not a, you know, Alonzo's kind of like great Machado, pitching, but... great pitching. Yeah. Um, it's interesting with the Padres because we talked about them probably getting Tatis Jr. Maybe there's a potential for a Juan Soto trade, but even if they can't get a Juan Soto trade, they could certainly use help in the outfield. Their outfield has been really bad this year. Eric Hosmer is just not going to get it done for them. They're not going to be able to unload his contract necessarily. But Josh Bell, sitting out there in Washington, yeah. uh, he would be a really nice addition to this lineup. Play him at first base, then you can kind of interchange Voight, Hosmer, whoever you want as a DH. Josh Bell would really change the look of this lineup and really give the Padres a nice boost. Plus Tatis coming back in. And it's going to cost them a hell of a lot less to get Josh Bell than it is to get Juan Soto. Well, you got to look around too. Votto, get a, Joey Votto's contract is huge. Cincinnati tries to unload him. You know, what do the Angels do? Otani can get a haul of, of, of prospects. Do you trade Trout? I mean, the, years ago, the Angels had a chance to trade Trout to the Yankees. Don't su- do don't be surprised that. if the only thing the Angels do is trade Noah Syndergaard. Don't be surprised because they have no idea where they're going or what they're doing. No plan in place at all for the Angels. Well, I mean, they got, they got some key guys here, Stasty. They got Walsh there. I like these young guys, but they got some huge contracts sitting there. And, it, it, you know, it's, it, it's almost like a fire sale. What do you do with Rendon? And what do you do with these other two guys? You basically can't move Rendon. Um, I don't see Trout being moved at this point. At some point, it's possible. I don't even see Otani being moved this year. But, I mean, if, if you're the Angels, you got to capitalize on what he did last year and what he's doing right now. He's arguably having a better season this year. Obviously, the offensive numbers aren't as good. But he's been pitching significantly better this year than he was last year. I mean, forget it's getting overshadowed by all the Juan Soto talk. But what Shohei Otani could do in a trade for this Angels organization is massive. It could completely transform their future. Um, because let's be real, are they really going to be good by the time Otani's contract comes to an end? And does Otani want to be stuck there on a team that can't even get him to the postseason? No, you're absolutely right there when you look at it. And Baltimore is just stockpiling. I mean, keep your eyes on the Orioles in the next five years, along with the Pirates and I think the Orioles with their draft picks and everything, I mean, it, it's it's going to be something. The Orioles are on their way now. Yeah, I think it's a little uh I think it's a little crazy to think that they're going to make their move into the playoffs this year, but they are not very far away and they have a lot of young talent for sure. Um definitely a young exciting team. They've done it the right way and hopefully they'll even start to spend some money because they're not spending any right now. Uh, but, you know, you bring in the right pieces in free agency next year to go with all this young talent, and they could be an interesting team. Um, we've talked a little bit about the Giants. There's a lot of stuff the Giants would have to do, in my opinion. Could they still get into the playoffs because of that opening at the, at the back end? Sure, it's possible. Uh, but even if they did, I don't think they have enough. I like Rodon and Webb up top in the rotation, but the rest of the rotation is very average. Their lineup is very blah, 
and their bullpen is very bleh. Um, they need a lot of work if they want to be considered contenders. It's St. Louis who I think is a team to really watch out for. I think they're the team in the National League right now who don't have a division lead. They're only a game up on Philly, only two up on the Giants, but they're a player or two away from passing the Brewers and maybe even going up and contending with the Padres for one of those top wildcard spots. Well, the, the thing with St. Louis has is they have a presence of veteran leadership there. You got Wainwright, you got Molina, you got Arenado. Goldie, Goldie. yeah, I mean, Goldsmith's having just an unbelievable season, too. Yeah, you got, so you good. got Edmund, you got, you got, I mean, that system in St. Louis. And mixed in with good young talent with Gorman, with Carlson, um, Donovan. They, you know, they have a really good mix of veterans and young St. talent. St. Louis, uh, let me put it this way. If St. Louis gets a guy like Soto, that they'll they'll figure out a way to sign them. Yeah, they'll and they have and they have the team. They have the the young team and the young prospects in the system and on their team currently to get that done. I mean, they could offer Gorman, they could offer Carlson, they could offer their lefty pitcher and Liberator. Uh, they could offer yeah. some maybe McGreevy, who was a former first round pick of theirs. And, and you know, whoever state goes to St. Louis, Edmonds, McGuire. Holiday, these guys end up staying there. Yeah, they don't. They, if they, you they add don't. Soto though between Arenado and Goldschmidt into that lineup, <laughs> I mean, my God, and they have the depth to make up for trading a Carlson and a Gorman. <laughs> I mean, Soto would take Carlson's spot, and they could find someone to play um, second base every now and again. Um, for Gorman, who's not even an everyday player. He's being platooned right now. So uh, they, they can actually afford to make that trade. They have the depth in the organization and just on the roster in general. So they're a team that I think is a really good shot at getting Juan Soto, actually. Um, the Nationals, now, the Nationals' asking price seems to be way too high for everybody. And as much as you want to add Juan Soto right now for a playoff run, there is still two years of control after this. So it wouldn't be crazy for teams to kind of balk at the price and put pressure on the Nationals to have to do it in the offseason and maybe not demand so much. I'm not sure anyone's going to come up and meet the current um, demands of the Nationals. Well, and not only that, what about Aaron Judge? What do the Yankees do with him? This guy's having a monster year. Well, they're going to do whatever they can to try and lock him up, but that doesn't mean they're going to be able to. They're going to offer him a lot of money, and it's going to be seven-plus years. But a team might offer him nine or ten years in the same amount of money, and it depends where he wants. To, it depends where he wants to go, and if he really does truly want to be in New York, or if he wants to head to California, or if he wants to just cross town and go to the Mets. I mean, I've heard I've heard some things in the media about Steve Cohen not really wanting to get into a bidding war with the Yankees, um, in in that sense. But I don't know why he wouldn't. I mean, if you can add Aaron Judge to the team they already have. Um, I, I, I'm not sure where that report is coming from and why he wouldn't want to do that. Because if he wants to, he can outbid it, whoever he wants. Well, the Padres are rumored to go after him too. Can you imagine the Padres with Judge in the lineup? Yeah, I mean, if I'm Judge and I'm going to go to California, I'm not going to the Giants. Um, right. Even with Judge, the Giants aren't a great team. They're a better team. But if you go, if you're going, you can go to the Dodgers and join Betts and Freeman. And maybe Trey Turner if they re-sign him. Or you can go to the Padres and join Machado and Tatis Jr. I, I mean, those are the two great spots, in my opinion, in the National League and in California. Then, of course, there is the Mets and there's the Yankees. But really, other than that, who's going to be able to pay him what he wants? I don't think—I think, I think well, that's I it. Want, 
Yeah, yeah, you're right. And if he goes to St. Louis, boy, he'd have a field day with over in Bush. Yeah, but the Padres—I mean, the Cardinals aren't that type of team that spends big on free agents. It's one right. thing if they make a trade and then extend. Remember, they traded for Arenado, who already had the contract. They. They they got Goldschmidt in a trade, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah. Um, and if they were to get Soto, it would be via trade. So they're not the type of team that's going to go out there and drop, you know, 400, 350 to 400 million over seven to 10 years on a free agent. So I don't, I don't see Judge going there. Um, but there are teams who we've mentioned, all those California teams. Um, I mean, you know what? The Angels are stupid enough. Mark <laughs> to not trade Otani, not trade Trout, not get pitching, just sign Aaron Judge. So they'll have three of the best hitters in in the world in Judge, Trout, and Otani, and still only win sixty five games. Yeah, the Angels are one of the you know the Angels are just just have no direction. They haven't had direction for years. And when you look at this team, I've always said every time they show up at the general store in December, they don't buy pitching. No, and or they buy the wrong pitching. You know, they gave Syndergaard like twenty million dollars. He'd thrown one game in like two and a half years. Yeah, it's crazy, unbelievable, so, man. Yeah. The show we can't we keep tearing it up on Mondays, brother. Yeah, but yeah, I'm definitely excited to see if something happens with Soto in the next uh, ten or so days. It's actually less than that now. Uh, it's eight days. It's a week tomorrow is the deadline. So. Um, it would be very interesting to see if Soto does get moved and where he goes um, and how much he goes for. Because, I mean, th- three top prospects and MLB talent is a lot for anyone to give up, even those teams that do have rich farm systems. No, no doubt, man. You're absolutely right on that. Yeah, and uh, I guess at this point we will wrap it up. you have any other final thoughts, though, on, on anything anything to watch for this week around the league, a uh, good series between contenders, whatever it might be? Well, the Twins will be in San Diego uh, over the weekend. That should be an interesting series. Minnesota and San Diego. Um, cross-state rivalries. Uh, you got Braves and Phillies this yeah, week, I think. Then, yeah. then the Phillies go to Pittsburgh for four uh, starting Thursday. So that's that's another interesting one. Um, but uh, other than that, the Astros will kind of clean up the Oakland A's the next three days. And, yeah. 3,000 fans will show up in Oakland and watch that. <laughs> Big week for the Orioles, too. They have four versus Tampa, I believe. Three or four versus Tampa. And then they get the Reds. So by the end of the week, Orioles will probably know, hey, we're you know two and a half, three games out of a playoff spot, or we're five or six back now. And they'll, we'll know if they're going to maybe buy a couple small pieces or maybe... Because the Orioles have some pieces to sell, too. If they do fall, yeah. they're three and a half out of a spot right now. But if they lose three or four to Tampa or can't beat up on the Reds, if they fall you know, five and a half, six back of a playoff spot uh, come next Tuesday morning, Mancini, your, your long-lost brother, could be on the move. Uh, Jorge Lopez, who's yeah. been a good closer for them, could be on the move. So they're an interesting team to watch as well because they have pieces to help teams and they're also potentially competition to acquire players as well. Well, we we, we we could have Mancini in Pittsburgh, and then we could have Mancini in Pittsburgh next year, too. Who knows? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> anything is possible, man. But yeah, that'll wrap this uh, intentional Bach episode up. But thank you to all who tuned in, stayed with us, enjoyed what we had to say here. I'm Lou Landers with Mark Mancini. Have a great weekend, and we'll catch you next Monday.